Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with Stephanie Burke and Andrew Lake. How are we going in tonight? The associate member of the Spooky crew. Deja vu, huh? Feels like I just said that. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, for those of you listening on podcast or watching the YouTube videos later, you have no idea what I'm talking about. We had to do what we call like the little jump in fill uh, while we killed time before the news, but uh, we are now here with the full program, the full one-hour program, thanks to the Red Sox. You know, usually we don't mind if they make us go late if they win, but whatever. We move on. You know what it means? You know what it's shaping up to mean? It means that we get to be here every Saturday night in October. So that's that's the plus side. Yeah. So the Red Sox probably won't win the World Series, but at least you'll get a full Halloween month of spooky South Coast, unless we decide to go legend tripping or something like that. And speaking of legend trips, we should let people know we are down to only 19 tickets left for our Edaville Legend Trips event happening on August 30th. Just 19 tickets. And if we can sell all 19 of those... I'm going to book the train for the night. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so it's the train we have to pay extra for, but I'm willing to spring for it. Talk to Jeff. We, we ran some numbers. We will spring for the train ride if we can sell out this event. And what we will do is we will put everybody onto the train. We'll take that train ride, and that's when you'll get the history of Edaville on the train itself. That's While awesome. out there in the woods going to stir up something. So I don't think it'll quite be dark yet. Well, maybe. We usually do the historical part like around 8, 8.30. So it probably should just be just starting dark. to get dark. Yep. And you'll get to go out into the woods and maybe, I don't know, I'll have to talk to them about this because that's the weekend that they have Thomas the Tank Engine there. So hopefully they're not going to have Thomas drive us around. But That'd be weird. If he does, so be it. <laughs> but hopefully we can talk them into switching the track and they'll put us on the longer route. The one that goes, like, I think it's like two miles longer than the one they currently use. But I'll have to find out all that. I, I shouldn't make promises. I don't know if I can. <laughs> it's just discussion now, folks. Yes, we're just spitballing here, but we'll see what we can figure out. But uh, thank you to everybody who's already purchased tickets. And if you have, uh, we do have the room deal available. Uh, and I can announce this publicly now. And I think enough people who have bought the tickets ahead of time have already booked their rooms. We secured a room deal at the Days Inn Middleborough which is probably about five miles from Edaville. It's a little bit further west on 495. And we I cannot believe the deal that they gave us. Now, this is Labor Day weekend. So you're not going to find a room anywhere anyway. No, you're not. But they were nice enough to put some rooms aside for us. They're a normal price because they've just renovated. They have a pool, free Wi-Fi, free breakfast. They're a normal price for that Saturday night, $139. We are getting the rooms for $90. Wow, that that's awesome. Good. $90, and you, you you can't stay at a Motel 6 for $90 on Labor Day nope. weekend. No. And this is a, a brand new, you know, a newly renovated Days in, and you'll get to swim in the pool. You'll get to have breakfast. A lot of the legend trippers are staying there, so you all can talk about what went on during the event during breakfast. We've all done that afterwards. We, we've all been hanging around talking about what goes on. So it should be a, a heck of a place to stay. And, again, it's only five miles away, which is probably the best part. Yes, Because when is. you get out at, like, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning, you just want to crash. It's not a two-hour drive home. Definitely not. Not for us either. <laughs> you know, no. I get five-minute ride. You were probably, like, well, like a 20-minute ride. Not even, yeah. Andy, you know, you can always crash somewhere yeah. up here if you need to, but you've got a short ride anyway. Yeah, it's an hour. It's not, <laughs> bad. Compared, it's not too bad. Compared with going to Winchenden. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what time did you get home from there? Oh, man, uh, it, it was late. It was very late. It was before 4, but it was late. Yeah, I think I pulled into the, because we had to drop Tiffany off and everything. I think I pulled into my house at like 4.30 in the morning. 
And then, you know, but then you got to go inside, you got to, you know, decompress, get your pajamas on, all that oh, stuff. Yeah. So it's 5 o'clock when I hit the pillow. And if you drove home, you're wired because you had to stay awake, so it takes a while. Not necessarily. You didn't sleep and drive again, did you? I did. I don't think that I did. <laughs> I remember having a conversation. I, I know Moniz was asleep. We had this whole discussion before, before the whole entire event, about how Tim tends to sleep and drive at the same time. Ooh, that's not good. I know that. Uh, I know that I had a, a conversation with Tiffany, and I know that I was talking with Matt the whole time. I think we might have lost Tiff a little bit. Mm-hmm. She might have dozed a bit. I know Moniz was out because you know when Moniz is out. Yeah. You can hear him. You can feel it. But uh, I, I know that we were having some discussions, so I think that uh, we were doing we were doing pretty well. All right. Well, we your station hey. for the South Coast. It, well, it is. <laughs> I probably, well, once he starts, I should let him finish. But probably it is your station for the South Coast AM fourteen twenty WBSM. Uh, we are going to be joined in just a bit by our guest tonight, Joni Mahan. Now, we're talking about Legend Trips events. She wrote a book about the S.K. Pierce Mansion in Gardner, Massachusetts, which is where we had a Legend Trips event last November. As far as I know, we were the last people allowed in there because of some right. things that are going on. We'll talk about that with Joni coming up later on the show. But as far as I know, we were the last event. And I don't. I haven't heard an update from Edwin and Lillian about what's no. been going on. So I'll be interested to see if Joni has any updates. But she's got the whole paranormal history chronicled in her new book, Bones in the Basement. Uh, Andrew and Stephanie are featured in the book. Well, yeah, kind of. Hmm. And, uh, <laughs> and we'll talk about that. And uh, it's just some of the other investigations that have gone on there. And the great thing about this book is if you get the ebook. You actually have links in it to be able to click on video clips, audio clips. So when you're, you know, which is the way that we envision ebooks working. So when you're actually on your whatever device reading it, you can actually click on it and hear what's being described in the book or see what's being described in the book. Uh, so maybe we'll even be able to pull up some of that and play it as well a little bit later on. So uh, we have just a small amount of time to get through the show tonight, but we're going to pack it with as much as we can. And in order to do that, I think it's time that maybe we just, I don't know, you guys want to get a little weird? We always want to get weird. All right, I'm going to try and get weird. <laughs> We're going to see what happens when I try, because when I hit the, go to hit the button, it well, might be a commercial. if you can't, you have to sing it yourself. Okay, I think... It's the end of the line, Miss... Nope, nope, it's a commercial. Let's stop that. All right, let's try this again. It's the end of the line, Miss <laughs> Chase. <laughs> <laughs> More bad news. Hey. Well, I got a great show for you, and it was a wonderful... The Week in Weird. Alright, first up we have Toddler Crashes Jeep Runs Home to Watch Cartoons. (laughs) Myrtle Creek, Oregon. Police say a toddler crashed a Jeep into an Oregon home, then ran back to his home to watch cartoons. Authorities say the three-year-old boy, who was wearing only a diaper, climbed into the Jeep Tuesday evening and knocked it out of gear. Witnesses say it rolled down the street, through an intersection, and into the house, causing minor damage. KPTV reports an officer found the boy on a couch watching TV as if nothing had happened. He said his parents weren't home and another relative was sleeping. Police cited 22-year-old Brennan Pennington for failing to supervise a child. Nothing like a toddler driving a Jeep, eh? I had a Jeep, but mine was Barbie. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, just, I didn't crash. <laughs> I just wonder if, uh, you know, maybe this was the cartoon he wanted to watch. Snickering, floppy-eared hound. When I've seen the pictures. <laughs> yep. And second, we have. I'm sure you guys have heard this one already because it's a little bit on the paranormal side. Megan Fox has claimed that she believes in Bigfoot. So, all you Transformer fans out there, this one's for you. Uh, Megan Fox is admittedly. Uh, announced to everyone that she is geeky and nerdy <laughs> and she believes in Bigfoot. She told People Magazine Bigfoot's real. She, this is a quote now. And I have confidence in myself that I were, if, if I were to ever be taken out on an expedition, I would be the one to find Bigfoot. So. Or Bigfoot would find her. I was going to say Bigfoot would find her. I'm not sure if Bigfoot is into hot celebrities, but. You never know. <laughs> Maybe that's why no one in the paranormal has ever found him. But <laughs> He's not bringing the right bait. Right. So all of you Bigfoot societies out there, Bigfoot seekers, hit up Megan Fox. You might get a... God knows what. <laughs> I was actually trying to look up and throw up on Spooky TV a picture of Megan Fox's thumbs. I was going to mention them, but I wasn't sure if I should go there. Yeah, that's, see, that's the thing. You can't bring up Megan Fox on the show and not mention her thumbs. It's just something that always comes up. I don't know if you have you no, ever seen her thumbs. No, lady? she has unusual thumbs. Her oh. her oh, thumbs there. look like big toes. They Ooh. do. It's bad. She has like some weird disorder or something. Oh, that's kind of strange. Like it's actually like common in some people, but you have this beautiful girl, and you look at her fingers, and you're like, Ugh. right. That would pretty much do it for me. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> gee, Megan Fox. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're kind of attractive. Well, except for the thumbs. And your horrible, horrible acting ability. I was going to say, she's not that great of an actress, but we won't go there. Right? I'm, I'm very upset that she's April O'Neil in the Ninja Turtles movie. I was going to ask you about that, because you know you follow all that stuff, so not, not, not happy? Not happy. Hmm. Now I... Did, did you... Uh, now, Andy, she's relatively new. Steph's rel- right. relatively new to the week and weird. Right. And she was a little bit surprised when she read a story... And she said, a Florida woman. We're like, well, there you go, right there. (laughs) She didn't understand that connection. She didn't understand that Florida is the weird capital of the world. I had no idea. So speaking of that, Huffington Post actually put out a whole article this week on why Florida leads the world in weird. And it listed a bunch of stories that have happened just the past two weeks. Yeah, the guy getting his face eaten. That was in Florida. Yes, it was. You're right. You're absolutely right. So I didn't know that the... Apparently that's the the crazy capital of everything. I'd like to think that you know we could blame it on ley lines. You know, no, there's ley lines that go through Disney World. The cryptid stories, UFO stories. They even said like all the listed all the things that might cause it, but nobody knows why Florida is so strange. What what are some of the things that they list that might cause it? I just xed out of it. Of course, yeah. Of course, I asked you. Nothing that we would think of. It was just you know regular everyday stuff. I'd still be interested in finding out. I mean, well, it, I mean, they don't have income tax, so there's there's one thing. Yeah. That might lead to some crazies going down there. A lot of Rhode Islanders down there. Oh, yeah. A lot of New Englanders. Well, there's the problem. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> that might be it. 
It's All right. very strange. Well, that does it for the Week and Weird for this week. If you have any stories you would like to share with us, tweet them to us. At SpookySC, hashtag Week and Weird. And uh, we'll retweet them. We'll read them here on the air. We'll do all kinds of crazy stuff. We don't even want to know what we're going to do with them. <laughs> but it's bad and involves massive amounts of hand sanitizer. <laughs> not for me. And not Megan Fox's thumbs. <laughs> well, stay far away from us. <laughs> all right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be joined by our guest, Joni Mahan. We will talk about Bones in the Basement, her new book about the haunted S.K. Pierce Mansion in Gardner, Massachusetts. We'll also take your calls, 508-996-0500. 877-996-1420. Jump in the chat room on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com or you can email us SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. We'll be back with more in just a few. bunch of beats from DJ 4AM that we'll be spinning over the next few weeks. And if anybody has any music they would like to contribute, any unlicensed music that you would like us to play here on the show, then you can just email it to us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. And, you know, we've been trying to feature some of these artists, some of these bands right. who don't get attention and giving them a chance to get their music out there. And if people are interested in the songs and they want to download them and find out more, just uh, just shoot us an email, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com, and we will get you that information. Because I think that, you know, it's important to give our audience a chance to show their own abilities Absolutely. and their own talents and also it's free and we don't have to pay for it <laughs> well since you're no lawyers honest. involved yeah that's that's pretty much my favorite part about it is the fact that you know we we don't have to pay for it <laughs> i love the altruism of being able to help out others yeah but i also love not getting sued when we put a clip <laughs> up on youtube Absolutely. or having it be banned in certain countries or from certain devices and that was actually the, the impetus of that is that we were getting a lot of our shows because we were using a licensed song for a theme song for mm -hmm. nine years uh, and then all of a sudden youtube decided you know what we're not going to put this up there because you're using somebody's licensed music of course thanks a lot it would still you could get it on the web, but you couldn't get it on the mobile devices, and you couldn't get it in Germany, and we're pretty big in Germany. So <laughs> I just figured, like, all right, it's time to make the switch. And uh, and thankfully, people have responded with some great stuff. So we appreciate it, and we hope to feature more in the coming weeks. Again, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. Now it's time to get into the actual meat of the program tonight with tonight's guest. Her name is Joni Mahan. She grew up in Indiana on 40 acres of lush farmland and then relocated to Massachusetts. Uh, she is a seasoned paranormal investigator. She spends her weekends in dark places with her best friends, talking to shadows, uh, and she is an author. She is uh, just somebody who has spent probably more time in the Victorian, om almost as much as Edwin and Lillian, I would think, at this point. And uh, she has put it all together in a fantastic book called Bones in the Basement. She joins us now on the program. Good evening, Joni. How are you? Good evening. I'm good, thank you. And uh, thank you for joining us. I know that you've been traveling, but uh, we appreciate you taking the time out to uh, to join us on the show. Uh, thank you for having me. Now, 
when did you first become aware yourself of, because, you know, reading Bones in the Basement, you chronicle a lot of other uh, investigators and, and how they got involved with it. You chronicle, of course, Edwin and Lillian's story. But how did you get involved with the S.K. Pierce mansion? I actually saved that part for the very last part of the book. So if you get to the very last chapter, I talked about my experiences. I really didn't write myself into the book because it felt odd. Uh, but I became aware of the house around 2006 when it went up for sale. The votes sold it at that point. It was sat empty for a couple years. And I just happened to be taking a shortcut across Gardner. Somebody told me a faster way to get to Staples. And I thought, oh, this is great. And I just saw that house, and I just sat at the stop sign and couldn't believe what I was seeing because I knew what house it was. I had seen that house on Ghost Hunters a couple years before, and I thought, I cannot believe this house is for sale. And I just kind of kept an eye on it. I saw when they bought it, and I watched them out in their yard. You know, every time I drive by, I'd look at the house just like everybody else in town does, and uh, thought, wow, I wonder what these people are going through if they realize the house is haunted. And, you know, there are a lot of questions. And uh, about 2009, I think, 2010, they started, uh, actually 2010, they started allowing people in to investigate and I was one of the first groups in to investigate. Of course, you know, having already been obsessed with the house, I was so eager to get in there. And uh, and I eventually just become friends with them through going to investigations and hanging out and helping them with different events and stuff. So I kind of warmed my way in. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they, they really are just the, the sweetest people in the world. And, and there's been a lot of discussion uh, in the past about whether or not you know they really knew what they were getting into because again the show had been featured i mean i'm sorry the the house had been featured on the ghost hunter show uh, it had been written about in books uh, there, there had been newspaper articles about it but it seems like in, in the way that you portray it at the beginning of the book it seems like you know they kind of went into this just falling in love with the building itself and not really worrying about all that other stuff not even researching anything it's just they found yeah. a house that lillian loved you were stationed for thyself. Sorry about that. She loved Victorians. It was a passion of her since she was a little girl. She used to walk by a beautiful Victorian, and she didn't live in anything nearly that nice. And she just said, one of these days, I'm going to live in a house just like that. And so this house came on the market, and it was it needed serious restoration work done. So the price was, you know, even though the previous owners had done a lot to it, it still needed a lot of work done. But... The price was reasonable, and it was something they could afford. And a lot of it probably was because everybody knew the house was haunted and nobody wanted to uh, to take that on. So they thought, you know, if that's what people are, you know, worried about, it'll be good for us. We'll just get the house cheaper. And they really didn't believe in ghosts. They had never come in contact with anything that would prepare them for what they were going to go through. And And that's one of the things that I think, you know, Paranormal investigators and, and people who are in this quote-unquote field will look at it and say, well, how could they have not known? Well, for people who aren't into the paranormal, <laughs> it's not like this stuff is omnipresent like it is for us. You know, we watch every episode of Ghost Hunters as, as a collective unit. You know, we read all these books. The, the average public, they're not that concerned about this stuff, and it wouldn't have come across their radar. Right, right, and that's exactly what happened to them. I think once they learned that it was haunted, Edwin became intrigued by the haunting. He was a little more on the fence. I'd say he was more open to the idea of a haunting than Lily, and she was just dead set that there was no such thing as ghosts. And 
So he started watching some of these shows. Of course, they watched that episode of Ghost Hunters, and, uh, you know, they read all the books that they could, or he did, you know. And she just kind of would blow it off like, oh, it's nothing, you know, I'm not worried about that. You know, people are just crazy. They blow things out of proportion. You know, it was kind of her mindset going into it. But the pretty much right away, though, as much as Lillian took a liking toward the house, the house seemed to take a liking toward her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, you know, from everything that I've experienced there, all the EVPs we've collected, they do love Edwin and Lillian. We've gotten so many EVPs with their their names and, you know, do you miss Lillian? And we get a yes. And, uh, I, you know, I just think that some of the entities in the house are just very combustible and they don't want anybody there. So I think, you know, you're talking about you might be dealing with a dozen or more different ghosts in one house. And while most of them love Edwin and Lillian, there's a few there that don't want anybody there. So it's just a, a constant it's a battle. Is there, uh, at least when, when you're there, is there anything that you feel in particular, any, any spirits that you particularly connect with? Uh, I always feel very welcome there, and, you know, it's just very odd because I've been there so many times, and I'm always very respectful when I go in. I always greet them, and I explain why we're there. You know, usually, you know, because the house is no longer open for investigation, so anytime anybody's there now, it's just because we walk through and check the house for Edwin and Lillian. And I'll explain to them, you know, look, I'm here. I'm just going to, we're going to check the house and make sure it's okay. And then we're leaving. I'm running a recorder. If you want to talk to me, you can. If you don't want to talk to me, I understand. And that's been pretty much, you know, the extent of it. So I've never had anything bad happen to me. I've seen things move out of the corner of my eye. I saw a light, uh, a ball of light go moving across the staircase. Uh, We've heard footsteps, we've heard doors slamming, and we've heard noises one time, you know, in the beginning of the book it talks about uh, one of their first experiences where they heard something that sounded like people falling down the stairs, and I've heard that on several accounts, several different occasions. One time was when the house was still open for investigations. We had three teams on uh, one in the basement, one on the first, second floor, and one on the third floor, and we all heard it. It sounded like somebody threw a dozen bowling balls down the grand staircase and we all came running and met at the grand staircase and there was no explanation for it the do doors were all locked uh, there was no no reason for that sound to happen so it just it's like they just bide their time and show up when they feel like they can really freak us out now, we have uh, joining us here in the studio tonight, our, our co-host for the night is Andrew Lake, who uh, you feature in the book. He made a few visits to the house. And, and Andy, what, when was it that you first uh, went to the Victorian and met up with Lillian and Edwin? My, my first visit to the house, um, I, I just happened to pick the right day, I guess, to go. I was um, researching my book in 2010, and I'd gone to Hadley, Massachusetts, to check out an historic location there and was politely told, no, please don't write about our location. We don't want, you know, the ghost reputation. So I, I had a, a guy with me who was another writer-researcher who was just tagging along, and I said, hey, it's a little bit of a drive, but let's go up to Gardner, Mass., because I've heard of the Victorian up there. And at the time, I had heard um, uh, through Tom D'Agostino's book, Haunted Massachusetts, that the owner that he met prior to the, uh, Lillian and uh, Edwin being there, he occasionally would let people into the house. So I thought, well, just, you know, maybe I could fit that into the book. Well, long story short, 
when I got to uh, the, the Victorian and uh, knocked on the door, when Edwin uh, answered it, he must have thought, you know, we were either the police or somebody trying to sell him or something or whatever because he, he wasn't quite sure what to make of us. But when I explained to him why I was there and, and he looked at me and he had this, I'll never forget the look on his face. He just looked at me. He said, so you're telling me we did buy a haunted house. Wow. And I said, yeah, you've bought probably one of the most haunted houses in, in all of Massachusetts. And he looked to my, my friend and I, and he kept looking at back and forth, and he finally said, can I tell you about something that happened to me that just the other night? And it was only, I think, three nights before that he had his first encounter with an apparition in the house. It was in his office, and it scared him so much he fell out of his office chair. He thought somebody was actually in his office. And he said he got up off the, the, the ground you know, with fists ready to... You know, to go at it with somebody in his office, and there was nobody there. So when I showed up three days later to, to lay this on him, the look on his face, I'll, I'll never forget it. He says he never will never forget that, too, because for him it was, oh, my God, we've been poo-pooing this whole thing, and, and I think we have opened a can of worms. So that was that was my first uh, encounter with him, and I'll, I'll never forget it. It's kind of funny. And, and Joni, that's probably just one of many stories that you've heard uh, of them encountering these, these entities in various forms uh, over the years. Definitely, yes. Uh, and as I started writing the book, it became clear to me, it started off being Edwin and Lillian's story, and then it became more, because this house, a lot of people have had experiences there, and in telling their story alone, I would be leaving out a huge chunk of the story. And I finally had to cut it off. Like, I, I need to get this book done. I can't keep adding more interviews. They just kept coming in and coming in and coming in. And, and even after writing the book, now I've got a lot of people that keep coming up to me and saying, oh, I had an experience there, too. I'm like, oh, that would have been great. I would have loved to, you know, but they're all similar. The funny thing is these people have never spoken to each other, but they all have similar experiences, which really, for me, it really validates the haunting. Mm-hmm. Well, what's interesting about it, though, is you've got kind of the perfect confluence there. You've got a location that allowed for a lot of people to come in and have those experiences. Uh, you know, Edwin and Lillian allowing the different groups to come in, the tours, whatever. Uh, but they've allowed folks to come into their home and have these experiences. And then when they do, the house delivers. There's always something going on. I mean, even when we were there for our Legend Trips event, which was the last night anybody was ever allowed in to investigate, uh, but even on that night, we had things that were happening. We had things that were going on with our Connect system. Yeah. We had, I heard all about that. That was really incredible, and I hope that shows up somewhere on some show because I think everybody would love to see that. We're, we're trying to get it uploaded. We've started a YouTube account for the Legend Trips events. We're trying to get that uploaded. Uh, but part of the issue uh, of going there, though, is a lot of people have, uh, as much as they get this great data that comes out of there, so many people are having just personal experiences. And it's hard to really quantify that, and it's hard to really convey that to other people. But the folks go in there, and they're not disappointed. They feel like they've made a connection with the spirit, even if they don't have any kind of measurements or, or any kind of video or audio to back that up. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're definitely not alone. Uh, I'm a sensitive, so I know when they're there uh, immediately. And, and they come out and find me when I'm in my car. Sometimes I'll get there early before everybody else. I'll sit in my car and just wait, and uh, and I'll feel them come out to the car. So, I mean, it's just one. It's just so many different layers of, of ghosts there, so many hauntings. It's incredible. Is Now, having, you know, having sensitive abilities when you go in there, uh, is it... For you, was it that they were coming out slowly, or was it that as soon as you walked in, they were coming up to you? Because I know, Stephanie, with you, you 
when you walk in there, you're kind of overwhelmed, right? Right. Mm, yeah, I swoop. They swoop in. That's how I describe it. They come in quick. They, it's like it's almost like you know, kids run into the door. Companies here. Companies here. You know, and uh, you know, some of them will be that way, and others maybe you know, who's there? You know, more of a protective. But they they definitely come running right out immediately. And the the Stephanie that we have here in the studio, our co-host Stephanie Burke, is actually the one that's in the book that went to visit with Andrew. Uh, and, and Stephanie, what were your initial impressions the first time that you went there? Um, I mean, there were so many different impressions that I did get, but um, I usually tell everybody that I don't really remember everything that I do or I say, so that's where Andy comes in because he followed me around very closely, recorded everything. Um, I kind of walked in and... I always want people to just bring me in blind. Don't tell me where I am, where to find anything. Don't bring me in a room that has all kinds of stuff, you know, that gives away anything. And just let me kind of explore. And Andy knows it's almost like I'm a cat chasing a mouse when you're following me around a location. I have to run around the whole entire house first, and then I start talking. So um, I think we made it through every single floor at least three times before I started and I, I made a lot of different connections with a lot of different spirits there, and I had a really good time. And um, that was actually the first time that I met Edwin and Lily and their sweethearts. I They were so welcoming. It was almost like we were part of the family. We ate dinner with them and everything. So mm-hmm. it was an amazing time. But um, I had a lot of different experiences with a lot of different ghosts. I didn't know who was who. I didn't know the background of any story. And he was like, we're going for a drive today. Meet me here. And um, when I got there, it was just... I love history anyways. Besides being a medium, I'm a huge history nerd. So um, having Andy connect the history of the house to me to all my my points that I made was amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll tell you a real fast funny one. When we went to do our show 30-odd minutes there, um, uh, Jeff had brought along an ovulus with him. And I'm kind of skeptical about ovuluses. But the thing kept saying midgets and parade. Midgets and parade. And when Edwin caught wind of this, he looked at us and went, you've got to be kidding me. And we're like, yeah, is that kind of silly? And he goes, P.T. Barnum used to come to this house. He had an office in town, and they used to have parades up and down the main street. They said there were midgets all over the place. So I bring I bring Steph there, and we're up on the third floor where this obvious was giving us this information. And Steph you know, goes, okay, I'm hesitant because this is a weird image. But they're showing me this very, very tiny little man like he's important. Well, who are we talking about? Tom Thumb. General Tom Thumb. I remember saying to you, why do I see a parade of elephants? What's going yeah. on? And, and I'm like, trying not to laugh. And I'm like, wow, this is the same room that yep. the obvious kept telling us I this. I feel like so. I'm at Barnum and Bailey's. And he's like, you are. <laughs> wow. Just strange. That's incredible. Well, Joni, that's just part of the legend of, of the mansion. Uh, it, there's stories about all the different folks who have stopped in over the years. The one, the one that I do, I do take a little issue with one of the people who came in. Maybe you can help clarify this a little bit, because I heard this when we were there for our Legend Trips event, and I kind of just let it wash over me a bit. But uh, the, one of the stories is that Minnesota Fats came and played billiards with S.K. Pierce in the billiards room. <laughs> And as far as I knew, Minnesota Fats was a fictional character. And uh, as it it turns out, there was a pool player named New York Fats that once the book was published, The Hustler, and once the movie came out, he started referring to himself as Minnesota Fats. But that wasn't until the 1960s. So I don't know if if that's kind of just a legend that's popped up or if there's anything, you know, that I'm missing. I couldn't find any documentation, and I did. I looked for all these people to see. I had researchers helping me, and... 
we couldn't find anything to do with that. I did put it in there in the beginning. You know, I said that the realtor told them, you know, that Minnesota staff played there, but it was never anything we were able to confirm. You know, another legendary uh, person that was rumored to have been there was Betty Davis, but I don't think that was true. She did have connections in Lowell, but... Part of the, I think part of the story got mixed up because the former owner, Mark Rowe, uh, his, I think his grandfather was her limousine driver. Oh. So I think people kind of got those two mixed up. I don't, I couldn't find any confirmation that she was there either. See, but that, that, to me, that doesn't matter. <laughs> to me, it's the legend that's so much cooler because it shows that this place is an important enough location that these stories have developed over the years. I mean, it'd be one thing if all these stories came out in the last five years as people were investigating the place and like, oh yeah, you know, Calvin Coolidge came and visited this house and we made it part of the paranormal story, but it's not. It's the legend that's been around forever for as long as the house has been around. Right. And that's what makes it really cool in my eyes. An oh yeah, definitely. Well, there's a lot of stories. You know, uh, people kept saying the house was a brothel, the house was a brothel, and that was not true. The house was never a brothel. It was the Victorian Inn from 1926 to 1965, and so it was a boarding house, which is why there's numbers on all the doors. Uh, if there was prostitution going on there, uh, you know, it was under the table, obviously. It would have been anyways, but, you know, the, one of the big stories there is that a prostitute was murdered in the Red Room, and there is no history, no record of any woman, non-family member dying in that house. So if she were a prostitute and she lived there, she didn't die there. So, But again, so many psychic mediums and investigators with audio recordings have confirmed that a, a woman died, you know, uh, uh, that was a prostitute in that room. So it, it's something I couldn't confirm, but you know, I I really do believe it happened. Hey, and, and I like. Sorry, I was just going to say real quick. Um, that was one of the impressions that Stephanie got when I took her down to the basement. She said, "I think there was a tunnel that uh, that led into this basement, so they could bring booze and things into the the house without anybody knowing it." And mm -hmm. she said she got the impression that there were women being brought into the place and they weren't being treated very well. So it sounded mm -hmm. kind of like rich guys having wild parties, sort of thing. Sure. Oh yeah, it was the gilded. Era, era, you know, maybe not even S.K. Pierce's era when he was there because he died in 1888. He only actually lived there 13 years before he died. But after his death, he had, you know, two sons, and, you know, they were the privileged rich. They had huge, you know, parties and events, and they did whatever they wanted to do in that house. So I think maybe if something like that happened, it probably happened after S.K. Pierce's death. He seemed like he was a pretty upstanding citizen. He was a trustee on a, a number of banks in town. He was on the committee to determine where the high school was going to be located. And he, he had his fingers in a lot of things, but I don't think he was necessarily, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Stephanie, but I think he was fairly upstanding. He seemed like that now. I mean, I, I was going to say earlier that he just, the impression that he had given me, um, and I had no idea who he was until yeah. way after the fact, that was actually really funny. Um, he was just, you know, a, a very, he wasn't stern, but just all business. He was very much just held himself together very tightly, very, you know, well-dressed, mm -hmm. well-mannered, and um, he was 
actually a very pleasant man. So, um, but the impression I think I had given you was after he had passed, whatever the house had turned into became party yeah. central. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where the the girls had come in, and I was telling you all that stuff. But yeah, S.K. Pierce is um, a very interesting individual. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's funny just through talking to various people. He, when we go into the house now, and you know, we were just there a couple of weeks ago, and we had on shorts and you know sleeveless shirts, and you know to them we were in our underwear, and we, it was you know very disrespectful. And I've gotten that impression over and over again, and we've gotten a few you know audio recordings. But I another uh, psychic medium that was there. He was really looking down at her because she was wearing a, a sundress with spaghetti straps, and he thought she looked kind of tawdry, like you know, like she was a uh, a prostitute or something. And she kept getting that sensation from him that you know he he didn't appreciate the way she was dressed. So you know, we've acknowledged it a few times when we've been there. We've said, look, I'm sorry if you don't like the way we're dressed, but this is the way people dress these days, and it is 95 degrees in this house right now. So this is what's comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I wonder. I wonder how they feel about Eno Sari because he doesn't care about uh, what people think. He was a bit right. of a partier, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he was. He's an interesting character, and I'll say Eno does not like me, and I don't know why. I yeah, I got. Um, I had a couple times he did follow me home, and uh, I was you know the sensitive. I can feel the energy, and I feel I hear a tone, and I had to have a psychic medium help me get him out of my house and back to the Victorian. And she told me that he's he was afraid of my book, that it was going to cause more people to come to the Victorian and investigate, that it was going to make it, it was going to open it right back up again. It was going to be the same parade of people coming through asking and silly questions. Did, so, did you ever was, catch from him and in, in any of the uh, incidents you've had with him, any of the experiences you've had, if he indeed spontaneously combusted? Um, well, I think I, I know enough from the, yeah, we have asked him, and there's also been, uh, somebody said, suggested that he might have committed suicide, which I can't imagine setting myself on fire as a way to die, mm. and he definitely said no, and he got angry, um, but, you know, according to the, you know, we have the, the death certificate, and there's a copy of it in the book, and he died of smoke inhalation mm-hmm. and third-degree burns on his shoulder. And we know he was a heavy drinker. He was a World War II veteran. He was only in the war for one year, and he had a severe head injury that resulted in him getting a metal plate in his head. And he had a lot of pain. And part of what he did was he drank to try to get rid of the pain. And he was also a smoker. So our best guess is that he probably was on a drunk and spilled moonshine on himself and then dropped a cigarette, and up he went. Yeah, that I'm seems pretty like, sure that's yeah. what I told you. Yeah, he I fell mean, asleep with a cigarette. Yeah, uh, I think uh, Ron Kolick of the New England Ghost Project, they um, they had one of the more interesting moments with him. They were in the room where it is said he died, and Ron brought a, a bottle of uh, booze and a shot glass as a, 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 a trigger object. And he said out loud, he said, Enos, I brought you some good uh, whiskey. Bet you it's been a long time since you had a shot of good whiskey. And he poured the shot, and as he, he poured the shot... Everyone in the room heard it, and they recorded it. They heard this lustful male voice go, yeah. Ron said he jumped out of his shoes. He said it was one of the rare moments where he actually got spooked doing an investigation because everybody heard it, and they got it on recording. I think when you brought me in there. That's great. Yeah, I've had um, another another investigator, uh, Lucky Belcamino of Wicked Scary, 
paranormal. She, they, her group went in there, and her chapters in the book as well. But she brought a lot of people bring those trigger objects, knowing uh, you know his passion for alcohol and cigarettes. And she said she forgot to bring the the whiskey, and so she was going to go out to the car to get it. And one of the uh, one of the invest other investigators said, "Oh, we'll just take you across the street and get your whiskey." And they got a very clear EVP that I include a link to in the book where people can listen to it. But it says, I already had my whiskey, bitch. <laughs> so, you know, it, he's, he can be, he can be really nice. I mean, it seems like he really likes Mary Luoma is the caretaker of the Victorian. She goes in there frequently and he seems to really like her and he likes Tina Obi. She goes in with Marion a lot. Um, and they get a lot of really good responses from he, he almost speaks freely back and forth on EVP with them. Uh, me, he just clams up. He doesn't like me. Oh, well. <laughs> I know. You can't everyone. please everybody. It, it always kills me. I'm like, you know, I, come on, you know, what did I do? It was <laughs> so, funny. Trying to tell your story. We even found his grave. Tina, Ovi, and I went and searched his grave, and we found it in, in, in Gardner. And we kind of cleaned it off. It was all covered up with leaves and so, you know, we, we discovered where he's buried. Uh, I was just going to say, uh, just before Steph had picked up on him, we were coming out of um, what's now, like, was I guess, like the toy room. Edwin was using it as an office at one point on the second floor. Uh-huh. And uh, just as we were coming out of there, I didn't quite catch it on the camera I had in my hand, but the throw rug that we were about to step oh, on right. shot across the floor several inches. Mm-hmm. And I stopped and I looked at Steph and said, how... Did you just kick that or something? And she turned and looked at me and went, no, I went to step on it. And it just went flying away from me before I could step Uh on it. And it was moments after that she said, I'm getting a fire and I've got a guy here. He's kind of, he's kind of a, uh, a clown. He's he's a heavy smoker and he drinks. I'm going to say, do you remember when I made you run up and down the stairs because I kept smelling cigarette smoke and I couldn't figure out where it was coming from? Yeah. And Mm -hmm. and I knew, I knew where it was coming from, but I just, I kept quiet. And, but that was really strange. You know, we talk about, you know, the guy having a sense of humor. I, I always wondered about that rug thing I, we never did figure that one it out it could have been him he was actually really playful with me and um he was actually really kind to me but he was following me everywhere for a while and i kind of had to be like all right you know back off a little bit you're kind of scaring the others and, yeah um but he he seems to like his second floor and that's pretty much it yeah he's that's the uh, ghost with character yep mm-hmm. it's and funny personality you know preferences for different people there's some investigators he doesn't like and some he does and you know it's it's just like in life and death. They don't change. No, no. no. It's, I find that very fascinating. It's one of the reasons why I continue to investigate. It's just there's so much for us to learn and experience. Well, before, we only have about seven minutes left in the program, but before we get to the end, I want to ask you about the place that when we had our Legend Trips event, it's where I was stationed all night and where I had some pretty uh, interesting experiences, and that was in the basement. (laughs) And it seems like a lot of, of course, the name of the book is Bones in the Basement, and it, it seems like the basement is the focus of a lot of the activity, which is a little bit different than the rest of the house because as you point out in the book you know the house is very ornate the house is very has a very grand feeling to it and when you get down into the basement you're like okay i'm in a house just like any other house and and uh, you know the same you know people came through this house just like i did and you're able to kind of ground yourself a little bit more no pun intended being in the basement but you're able to kind of get a better handle on where you are without being uh, surrounded by all the opulence yeah, then there's a darker entity haunting the basement. It's a different feeling. And, 
most of the others don't go down there. They don't like him. They don't want to be near him. And I honestly think it's Edward Pierce that's down there. And he, he was kind of dealt the rough hand, uh, you know, 19, um, see, 1965 he ended up. They say he lost the house in a card game, but uh, there's a lot of controversy around that. Um, Jay Zimmerman, who purchased the house, his daughter is constantly berating me on my blogs because she says that that's not accurate. Uh, so I did kind of, I kind of breezed over that a little bit in the book. Uh, I did see the the sale, the and it's it, the price was zero. It was not listed as any price. It was left blank. So. Talking to various psychics, I think what happened was that um, the house was in really bad shape, and at that point, it had been through the Depression, it had been a boarding house, and, you know, Edward had run out of money at that point to fix it, and his one of his maids in his house uh, had a wealthy brother named Jay, and she told him about the house, and he'd become friends with Edward, and they would play cards a lot, and I think that probably... Jay said, why don't you just turn the house over to me? You can still live here, and I'll fix it up. And and that was, you know, that was what happened. But, you know, again, I don't know for sure because that was nothing we were ever, ever able to document or verify. But Edward ended up sleeping in the basement. I think there was a lot of... Um, a lot of sadness on his part. You know, he started off being, you know, the son of a wealthy tycoon, and he ended up being a boarder in his own house that he no longer owned. And he slept near the furnace to stay warm, which is, you know, what we've heard. And that is the, the place where we often feel him come through and where they've seen shadow figures. And uh, he definitely doesn't like people down there, but he's not. Some people say there's something demonic down there, and I really don't buy that. I think it's just somebody that really was very angry towards the end of his life, and, and he's only gotten worse in death. That's really spooky because, as I told you, I I was down on my second visit staying there by that, that furnace, and I just had this awful feeling behind me, and uh, I had to step away from some furniture being stored down there. Um, uh, next visit, I brought along a uh, psychic named uh, Pam. She hit on the furniture and said there's somebody um, connected to that furniture or just around that furniture, and then maybe... A, Two, three months later, Edwin said he was down there and some shadowy figure stepped out from the furniture and cut across uh-huh. his path by that furnace. So now that you're it, saying it was that, even caught on, there's a video link, a link to a video in the book uh, that people can click on if they get the ebook or if they have the paperback, they can just, you know, copy the link onto their browser. But where somebody actually caught that shadow person on film running across. It was just during a tour, so it wasn't even, you know, I'll, really I'll, investigators. I'll have to check but, that out. That, that's and they've spooky. caught pictures of it, too. It's always hard because he moves so fast to catch it. It's a zip. By the time you get your camera up, you know, if you're, it's like trying to film an accident. <laughs> you know, you, you have to be in the right place at the right time and have a good deal of luck on your side. Yeah. Well, uh, for those who would like to, and, of course, the book has uh, way more information way more stories and we could cover here in the amount of time that we have thanks again red Sox, for that uh, but if people want to get the book how can they go about uh, picking up bones in the basement well it's on amazon.com and barnesandnobles.com and they can get it either in an ebook or a paperback if they're interested in a signed copy by me they can contact me through my 
website, which is com. That's J-O-N-I-M-A-Y-H-A-N.com, and they can contact me on there or, or friend me on Facebook. I pretty much accept all friend requests, and I'm more than happy to sign a book and mail it to somebody if they're interested. It's just very interesting with everything that's going on right now with the house. And as it currently stands, nobody's going to be allowed to go back in it for a while because Edwin and Lillian are going to have to raise a lot of money to be able to get it up to code to allow people back in, right? Correct, correct. And the way they were able to raise that money was by letting people come in. So now it's kind of a you know, a catch-22 there. So hopefully... Well, uh, and that was the whole reason why I started writing this book. We were all sitting around. I call us the Victorian groupies because we all deeply love that house and we want to save it. And it is getting bad. And we said, what can we do? And I said, well, I can write a book, you know, because I had already written. I had done very well with The Soul Collector. And I thought, well, I've already gotten my foot in the paranormal true story. I'll, I'll try this. And uh, I'm donating half of my profits to Edwin and Lillian for renovations. So, you know, anytime Excellent. somebody buys a book, half of what I make goes to them. So it's, it's a drop in the bucket compared to what it needs. But... It's something. It was my only way. I felt like I needed to do something for this house. Right. Well, we thank you very much for doing that. We thank you for joining us tonight uh, and, and for taking the time out of what was a busy weekend for you. We appreciate it, and, and hopefully we'll talk to you again further on down the line. Excellent. Thank you for having me. All right. Have a great night. That you is too, thanks. That is our guest, Joni Mahan. The book is called Bones in the Basement. You can pick it up now. Uh, and remember, it helps out Edwin and Lillian if you do that, and it helps toward the restoration of the house. So until next week, we want you all to stay spooktacular.